Welcome to your sanity safe space. Not a fucking issue. With your favorite YouTube podcast duo. You're fucking a white male. And a white female too. Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. <laughs> Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement. This is, is Beauty and the Beta. And we will make America great again. Hello and welcome to the show. A great show, a tremendous show, a terrific show. Frankly, the best. Ask anyone. That's Donald Trump's iTunes review of the show. Anyway, this is Beauty and the Beta. My name is Matt. You know me by my YouTube moniker Skag3, and I am flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co host Rebecca Blonde. Welcome. Hello. And happy Father's Day to all the awesome dads out there, especially our listener dads, one of whom is my dad. Hi, dad. <laughs> Thanks for everything. And maybe my dad. I don't know. He Ooh. may or may not watch it. But happy oh. Father's Day if you're I thought you. Dad. I thought you meant maybe happy Father's Day. Oh, no. No. Definitely <laughs> happy Father's Day. Maybe thank you if you're watching the show. There uh, it is. And- and once again, we are guest-free this week, and that is because we have some exciting news about the show to report shortly. But in addition to that, we will talk about big, scary, giant black guns, and maybe some other stuff too. We haven't really decided. But it will be all this and more on your favorite hour of listening material. Thank you for liking the show on YouTube. Thank you for reviewing the show on iTunes. Thank you for emailing us. That's beautyandthebeta at gmail.com. Also, I know it's NBA Finals Game 7 time, and as usual, it is Game of Thrones time. So it's probably going to be a live ghost town. But I see you, chatters. Uh, we appreciate you guys showing up on time, despite all the distractions. Um, there's my fancy intro. The show must go on. On it shall go, no matter what. Uh, even in the case of mutual disease. Because I think that's probably how we lead the show in terms of weekend stories. Are you going to make it or are you about to pass on? Oh, I feel like a pile of garbage, but it's been a few days, so I'm kind of in the tail end of it. How about you? Uh, so my big thing is seasonal allergies, <laughs> but I've had kind of a weird cough for a couple of weeks. That's kind of clearing up now, but I went to the store today, got some Claritin, uh, allegedly now non-drowsy if you believe the box, but uh, I've had, less drowsy days. I've had more alert days. Let me tell you that. But, uh, I did get out to do some river floating yesterday. One of the big appeals of Montana is the pristine wilderness. So we were out on the Madison river for about a five mile stretch, laying out in the sun on inner tubes, drinking beers, talking about, I don't know, all the stuff that we usually talk about. I think we're ripping on feminists, (laughs) (laughs) but that was, uh, that was a fun time. And that's the first time I've floated this year. So that was really awesome. Um, yeah, and then today, just, I don't know, trying to trying to set up more video stuff, trying to work on weird technical issues with this show, all that sort of stuff, but nothing fancy outside of that. I heard you had a controversial <laughs> Netflix opinion. Oh, yeah. So anybody that's been watching Orange is the New Black, I was totally sick this weekend, and so I just kind of stayed in and passively watched it, and it is such social justice warrior nonsense. I think they even said something in the show about like cis white male privilege. I was in like, prison? oh, yeah. Weird. Yeah. And they so, all have some sob story about why they're not responsible for their crimes. It's just being trapped in their demographic. It's fucking nonsense. And that's all supposed to be. See, I have no knowledge of the show. And everyone that I've talked to who has seen the show tells me I must watch this show. But like this, um, like many other great shows, I have not watched this show. But I always thought it was supposed to be somewhat is it not supposed to be somewhat funny or is it a completely serious show no it's funny it's whatever you know it's the chick that wrote weeds if you saw that show which is also a shitty show so i once uh in college one of my jobs one of my many jobs that i hated was working at a hollywood video (laughs) with video rental store back you know when people actually rented dvds and stuff but i was the worst employee ever because not only was i a busy college kid so i didn't watch a lot of movies anyway but i just don't watch a lot of movies yeah hey is this good i don't know (laughs) <laughs> probably hey is this good i don't know rent it if you want people would come in and say like can't believe there's late fees i'm gonna switch to netflix why would you charge late fees i'd switch to netflix dude <laughs> why would you go to a store to rent a dvd it's the wave of the <sighs> future 
<laughs> yeah. Well, that store's closed down now. Barber Boulevard, <laughs> Portland, Oregon. It is not a Hollywood video anymore, if you know that spot. Maybe some of you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, in addition to our greatly exciting weekends, we had a pretty exciting week last week, did you and I? Because we were back and forth about uh, a very cool plan that is in the works and is now official, not just speculative, but official. Do you want to have the honor of breaking the news? Go ahead, Skag. Okay. All right. I tried to be a gentleman, but <laughs> I will be, uh, I don't know, an agent of the patriarchy anyway. <laughs> so one of the things that Rebecca and I would like to do that we can't from the conveniences of our homes is be able to talk to crazy people, Trump protesters, uh, SJWs, whoever, crazy leftists, people that you see in the videos. What's the mecca of that? Where are they all going to congregate? The Republican National Convention in Cleveland in July. I think the event is what, July 18th through 21 the or 20? 21st. Yeah, something like that. But we're going. We are going yes, to the Republican are. National Convention for the full duration of the events. We got our cameras prepped. We got microphones. We got batteries. We got computers. We got our lodging. We got our airfare. We got a rental car. We got the whole bit. We both have a huge hole in our credit cards, which we'll talk about <laughs> uh, in a minute. But this is really exciting because I don't know about you, but I've, I've never done like on-scene interviewing type stuff. No, I haven't. Uh, I'm kind of nervous. Never, yeah. I mean, we might, we might die. Yeah, really. The one, one thing we don't have yet is mace, which we did yeah. also talk about mace. Um, but this is going to be awesome. I, I can't tell you how hyped I am for this. And uh, it's great that we've got this thing going. Because I don't think either of us would do this independently. We kind of need each other no, to do it. You know? I would not have, for sure. I wouldn't, I wouldn't just go there with my phone. and I mean, you could try, <laughs> yeah. but that's not as fun. So not only are we going to go talk to people and try to get you know all the most, most entertaining footage and interviews <coughs> and all that stuff that we can but i think if you know if we have time and our situations allow it's going to be awesome if we're able to set up some podcasting from uh, ohio when we have some downtime try to do some vlogging from there all those sorts of things um, might be poor quality who knows but that's going to be the fun of the adventure yeah, and we get so, to see America's two most beautiful cities, Detroit and Cleveland. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So I forgot to mention that. We uh, were late to the show uh, in terms of deciding on this. So, you know, if you want to fly into Cleveland during those dates, uh, my price was like $1,300, $1,400. Yeah, yeah. Screw that. So, yeah, we are flying. We're getting a, the, the free vacation to Detroit that both of us have always wanted. <laughs> and then we will be uh, caravan caravanning over to Cleveland. Beautiful um, Cleveland. And staying in some place far, far away from Cleveland too, because you can't get if you yeah. want like a uh quality in in Cleveland, you're gonna drop several hundred dollars for one night. So um yeah, yeah we had to kind of uh, finesse this as much as possible. <laughs> Someone but, in the chat just said Cleveland is Detroit light. That's probably true. I, I always kind of thought well, yeah, maybe that's true. I guess I've never really thought which is worse, Cleveland or Detroit? And I shouldn't really Detroit, judge because I, sure. I haven't spent much time in either. So yeah. it's not really fair. But Cleveland's going to get a, well, they're both going to get a lot better because the minute we land, that <laughs> is like a, I mean, that is the place to be. The minute we drive over to Cleveland, that's the new coolest spot in the country. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I'm stoked. I, I could not be more excited for this opportunity to, uh, I just, I don't know. I can't, I can't explain it more than that. I'm really excited. I'm really happy. I think we're going to get some really cool stuff. Uh, and I think people are really going to enjoy it. What do you think it's going to be like? Like, cr like clusters of protesters? I think it's going to be like the walking dead of protesters. This do you is think gonna so? Be, yeah, we're going to be in our, you know, our prison sanctuary, whatever, holding people back. Uh, this is going to be crazy, I think. Oh, man. I don't want to oversell it because maybe we show up like I did at the Trump rally here. <laughs> There's no one there. Like, uh, like hmm. what are we going to do for three days? <laughs> yes, we can go to the zoo. You got The first YouTube video was me at the zoo, right? We could recreate that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, don't, I, I expect it to be crazy. Do you have a different prediction? I don't know. I, I think it's going to be crazy too. I'm just trying to play it down in my mind because I'm nervous. I've never done any kind of journalism this is not really journalism but you know journalism per se 
uh, in person. So I'm, I'm worried about that. The thing we were thinking about, you know, you and I going back and forth and I'd like input, you know, from the chat that's here, or if you want to email us as always, or tweet us, but it's beauty in the beta at gmail.com. I think there's two approaches for interviewing people. One is to be kind of straight up, like don't play a character, right? Just be us as we are kind of critical, but respectful people. Yeah, speak for yourself. Well, yeah, uh, but maybe you'll fix me by then. (laughs) Um, But critical questions where they can kind of tell that we're not necessarily on their side, so to speak. Or, I mean, we could play the part. We could make a costume right you could go dressed up in all your with all your social justice patches and all you know, <laughs> little buttons about this and that and like trump is a nazi signs and all this stuff you could infiltrate them and you could become one of them so i don't know that it's either or i definitely don't think we should just stick to one but i would like to experiment with both of them yeah i mean i think it's going to be combative which i'm fine with we're going to people are going to be yelling in our faces Oh, yeah. No, I, I honestly take the threat of, uh, given everything we've seen, I take the threat of violence and physical confrontation very seriously. I almost expect it, to be honest. So, well, May should be enough, right? I mean, but God so help me, I get cornered like that one chick and they're throwing eggs at me. I'm just going to bear mace the whole crowd. I don't I, give a I shit. I would. Yeah, I mean, it. I think we have to take every necessary step to protect ourselves. That's within the legal confines, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I definitely don't want to worry about worst case scenarios. We're always going to be, at least I hope, unless the horde takes you off somewhere. I plan to always be <laughs> in immediate proximity to each other at all times, and we kind of have to be because one person's yeah. going to man the camera, one person's going to you know man the microphone, that kind of thing, uh, or woman the microphone. How sexist of me! What a messed up <laughs> thing to say. So yeah, I mean we we have so much excitement about this plan and no real firm approach yet in terms of how we want to do it. So if you feel like you have a great idea in terms of what we should be doing, definitely email us or tweet us. We'll, uh, we'll take that into consideration. Just like this podcast, we are two people doing, uh, doing something about which we know nothing. We have no idea about anything that we're doing. We're just putting it out there. And And we read everybody's comments and suggestions and the emails and everything and take everything into account. So seriously, throw some ideas our way. Most of the emails, although this week's were straight up insane, but we don't have to go down yeah. that route. Yeah, yeah Don't send us weird stuff. I don't want to, we- I don't want to read weird stuff. <laughs> if you want to challenge us, of course, and that's always fair, but there was some weird stuff in there this week. Yeah. You know who you are. You know exactly who you are. Yeah. Um, okay. So that kind of covers the excitement of it. And I, and I hope that everyone shares that excitement. The other announcement that we have is, um, this was costly. Obviously, we both financed this ourselves. We both took a big risk on this. Um, and of course, we're willing to assume the full extent of that risk. I am. I wouldn't have made this decision if I wasn't. However, <laughs> if any of our audience would like to help us in this effort, we are making uh, those contributions available. We do not expect them. However, if you would like to contribute, if you would like to ease our trip to Detroit and to Cleveland, and for the show beyond that, we have set up a Patreon. And it's not just simple contributions. We've set up what we hope are cool rewards too. Um, you can find the link to the Patreon in the description right now. It's actually patreon.com slash beauty in the beta. And I know these Patreon promos get tired. <clears throat> oh, we're going to give you so much cool stuff. <laughs> We've heard it a million times. And that's part of my resistance to Patreon is it's just so cliche all the time. But we've got some cool stuff in there. We've got fancy gifts like these shirts and this, the, this mug here. They're exclusive to our Patreon supporters, our Patreon supporters. So uh, no one else is going to get them. If you help us out, we'd like to give you something back in return. We've also got cool things like you can have Google Hangouts with us. Um, you can have private Google Hangouts with us. Who knows what might happen in there? Uh, might get crazy. There's no regulation as far as I as far as I understand. Um, and what else? There's also opportunity to become an official show sponsor if you really want to drop some coin. You know, we'd be happy to have some some big name sponsors. We'll shout you out every show and make sure that everyone knows the show is brought to them by you, uh, yours truly. Official show sponsorship up for sale. Um, so those are some of the prizes. What, let's see, I got the website here too. Let's pull that up. Uh, it's all fancy. I spent some time today putting together some of the graphics, uh, which I shouldn't say I put them together. Sugar Tits Bear did our artwork, and I always just throw her art up. Like, I know, so do I. She draws way better than I can. I don't know anything about graphics. Um, so that, again, is <laughs> patreon.com slash beauty in the beta. 
you can find it there. We would love to have your support. Of course, we don't expect it. I can't emphasize that enough. It's not. The content will always be free. There's nothing behind a paywall, nothing like that. If you just want to help us buy a sandwich in Cleveland, we would appreciate it very much. Other, other than that, we'll figure it out. I'll pay off that credit card somehow. Someday. <laughs> yeah, one, That's one the day. risk I took. <laughs> um, so yeah, and there's, there's also opportunity. You don't necessarily have to contribute monthly if you don't want. There's opportunity to make one-time uh, contribution as well. Every dollar helps uh, or, you know, up to the sky's the limit. You can be our boss, basically. The show's up for sale. We'll let you have the direction of the show. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, they're both exciting news. I didn't, I, I wanted to emphasize the excitement for the trip and have the Patreon and stuff be secondary to that because one is really exciting. One is just kind of logistical. So I, I won't money whore anymore. Is there anything else you wanted to <laughs> add to the, to us selling our souls and our, Everyone. I mean, I'm, I'm just happy with the viewership, so I don't expect anybody to give us any money, but we will for sure take it. Take any handouts. We have no integrity. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will emphasize, you know, just speaking on the show in general, we appreciate so much the, the, the success of this show to start. A podcast is very, very hard to do and start up and have it be successful and to maintain an audience over time. And we're only, I think, what, this is the sixth formal episode. So to have the listenership that we have in such a short amount of time, we are incredibly thankful for that. And it's really difficult to do, which is why I hesitated to get back into the podcast game. If you came to this show through me, you might remember some of my old podcasts. And I haven't done it for months. And that's because they're hard to do. It's hard to organ. It's hard to um, present yourself well live. It's hard to organize all the technical logistics of the show live, and it's hard to entertain people long term. So we have done our best with that, and we, you know we greatly appreciate the response to it. Can't emphasize enough. We're both in it to win it. We talk behind the scenes all the time. We are in it to win it, and this move is in pursuit of winning it. It's true. Just like, just like uh, Mr. Trump. True. We're gonna get tired of winning. Yeah, I mean, I would love to quit my job. That's the end goal, to stop working for the federal government. <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, but um, we, we both are hugely optimistic about the prospect here. We're, we're going to do everything we can with it. So, you know, if you feel like you want to support it, I can give you our personal guarantee that we will uh, put that uh, contribution to its best use and bring you the most entertaining, informative, awesome stuff that we can. Anyway, now that we spent 20 minutes on that, <laughs> you want to dive into some uh, issues people actually care about? I'm sure yeah, there's let's about talk 50 about people who, guns. who dropped off. Like, I don't, they're talking about themselves. What kind of show talks about themselves? For 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you want to talk guns? I do. What kind of guns do you want to talk about? Let's talk about the AR-15. Ooh, I hear that one's exotic and scary and only criminals have those am i right <laughs> yeah that seems to be the consensus the unsupported consensus about ar-15s america's most popular rifle which by the way was not even used in the orlando attack it was a six hour mcx which is as far as i understand a functional equivalent i want to qualify my discussion I've, I've spent much of today and especially this last week adding to what was my pedestrian knowledge of firearms, probably more than most people, but not an expert. And it's very possible that I misspeak throughout the duration of this. But the interesting thing about the firearm stuff as it pertains to the response to the Orlando shooting um, is I really believe the issue comes down to the level of information you have on firearms. And I hate that an issue could possibly be that simple. I never liked that line of thinking of like, Informed people believe this, misinformed or uninformed people believe this. But I do believe in large part, in general, this issue comes down to that. And I would be happy to explain my reasoning in that. But do you have any disputes with that claim? No, not really. Um, I want to talk about this article with this guy shooting the AR-15 that oh, totally... The, the PTSD guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't know if me... you people... You people yeah, are... I'm going to put that up on screen. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Here we go. This guy <laughs> here. What's it like to fire an AR-15? It's horrifying, <laughs> menacing, and very, very loud. 
Dun, dun, dun. Do you want to read? Do you want to scroll down to his quote? It's basically at the bottom. You you really don't need to know much about the article other than like, hey, I went to a um, a gun range to shoot this rifle that everyone's talking about, and here's my experience with it. And his his yeah. account is unbelievable. You say it's at the bottom. Yeah, I think what's the recoil. Um, well, it starts with when the gun sh- the gun range or gun shop owner says. Um, people like the AR-15 because it's fun to shoot something like that. Yeah. And he responds, not in my hands. See that part? <laughs> uh, no, no. It's like, it's right below. Good Lord. It's right below the guy, like, pointing at his head, that picture. Did you see that meme of uh, the little seven-year-old girl shooting this gun, and then it had this guy's picture right above it, talking about how he's a pussy? No, I didn't, but that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> the the this the store owner says you know it's a fun rifle to shoot um you know you don't this, this, this is the kind of thing about the gun stuff is why would anyone the, there's several recurring arguments you hear one of which is why would anyone ever need a rifle like this well it's the most common rifle yeah people do hunt with it it's a common target shooting rifle it's a very lightweight low recoil uh semi-automatic rifle which is a point of emphasis that we need to get to as well semi-automatic rifle right it's not a machine gun Everybody uh, thinks that. And it's a home defense uh, weapon. So, you know, why would anyone need one? Well, ask the millions of people who have them and put them to practical use every day. But I want to read his quote about the PTSD. It says, um, is it fun? Not in my hands. I've shot pistols before. Probably not true, by the way. I'm just saying. But never something like an AR-15. Squeeze lightly on the trigger, and the resulting explosion of firepower is humbling and deafening, even with ear protection. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're loud, sure. Um, The recoil bruised my shoulder, which can happen if you don't know what you're doing. The the brass shell casings disoriented me and flew past my face. The smell of sulfur and destruction made me sick. The explosions, like a loud bomb, gave me a temporary form of PTSD for at least an hour after firing the gun. Just a few minutes, I was anxious and irritable. (laughs) And this guy got ripped, like you'd expect. Oh man. I, I, I don't know what to say. Life. I don't know what to say. The other the other um big time article this week, which I want to put on screen as well, was let me pull that one up. Um the Boston Globe Make It Stop, Make It Stop article. It's got the picture of the AR fifteen in a graphic design. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we all agree. Let's make gun violence stop. But nobody's like, yay, gun violence. But we have to understand the weapons that are being used. This is the most common rifle in the United States, and it is semi-automatic, semi-automatic. The the Boston Globe piece is honest about that. (coughs) But then it goes on at the bottom of the article to say, um, it's honest insofar as it says, fully automatic weapons are already banned by uh, federal law. I think it was in the 30s that this law was enacted. They're not banned, I should say. They're practically impossible to get. My understanding is you have to have something called a class three license to get them. Pretty much impossible. So you can't get a fully automatic weapon. Uh, and then they, and they acknowledge that in the article. And then they say, but we should also be regulating semi-automatic rifles. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a lot of rifles. Yeah. That is a lot of rifles on a lot of ranches in a lot of pickup trucks, doing a lot of hunting, protecting a lot of homes. Um, and it's sort of, I, I was talking last week about like, when did I become this big gun nut? Well, before I might have been a, I might have been one of these people who wasn't of the clear understanding that this is not a fully automatic machine gun. Mm-hmm. People just uh, they don't say it outright, but it seems as though that's the impression <coughs> that they want you to have. And they talk about reinstating yeah. the assault weapons ban. Well, the assault weapons ban isn't a ban on semi-automatic rifles. It's a ban on stupid cosmetic things. You can't have uh, a pistol grip. You can't have a flash hider. Uh, you can't have a folding stock. And also, you can't have magazines over uh, 10 rounds, magazine capacity over 10 rounds, which is arguably the most significant regulation uh, in, in the assault weapons ban, which expired in 2004. But I'm going to put this on screen as well. Uh, the two guns. And you, I don't know if you've seen this picture, Blonde, but what I have on the top is an AR-15 tricked out with a bajillion attachments. You know, you got your pistol grip, you got your foregrip, you got your sight, you got some kind of like light on the front. Every attachment under the sun. 
And then below it, you have a Ruger Mini 14, which is made of wood, doesn't really look fancy, looks kind of old, but they both take the exact same and fire the exact same round. And they're both semi-automatic. It's kind of like um, if you had the same car with the same power and you put like a big spoiler on one and fancy wheels on one and, you know, a big light kit on one. And all. Well, yeah, they're the same, mechanically the same car. Yeah. So that's this is irrelevant gets... to the issue anyway, because um, terrorist attacks are going to keep happening on a large scale, whether or not they do anything about guns. Their preferred yeah. method is suicide bombing anyway. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you put an interesting quote in the notes that I want to get to as well. And the other interesting thing is, so the, the honest position, I guess, then is not like these people who talk about machine guns aren't honest. That's not the issue here. It's not full auto or, or burst fire or anything. That's off the table. The, the honest position then is, should we just ban semi-auto rifles or ban or, or do away with the Second Amendment entirely, which people make that argument as well? Those are the two honest ones. The kind of in-between people talking about assault rifles uh, or assault weapons as though right. it's a meaningful thing are dishonest. Uh, but to your point on um, uh, the use of rifles and, and so forth, let me get this graphic up. Uh, and, and what weapons terrorists would use. Let's see here. Here's gun violence stats from the DOJ. I believe this is for the last year, Department of Justice. 8,500 firearm deaths. Rifles account for 323. Handguns account for 6,220. Uh, 6,220. My understanding is the assault weapons ban would not regulate... Uh, I might misspeak here because I'm not sure. I suppose the magazine capacity would apply to handguns under the assault weapons ban. Um... But as far as the other stuff, like you're talking about handguns, the, the weapons these people want to regulate as assault weapons are not handguns. Yeah. We're talking about semi-auto rifles. Yep. And the big assumption here is that regulating these things is going to prevent gun violence. Uh, I haven't seen any substantial or convincing evidence that that's true either. So they're operating on a false premise and they're using the Orlando attack, which, you know, guns wouldn't have really helped. Uh, he actually went to um, a gun dealer uh, like a few weeks over a few months before the attack, and he was asking, asking about all these weird like protective gear and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the dude from the gun shop like called it in, and nothing yeah, happened. Yeah, I heard about that. And the gun, and he, he refused to sell to him. In addition, right? He just said, yeah. like, "Get out of here." I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, I mean. And that's the thing is we all agree, everyone agrees that we don't want people with the wrong intentions to have firearms. We, we don't want that. But the question is, how do we achieve that without unduly violating the constitutional rights of citizens? Now, one answer that they have is just strip away those constitutional rights. I, I don't agree with those people, but I find them to be the most honest. The one thing that alarms me about their position is I would be worried about anyone who is so eager to surrender their right to self-defense to the state. I am not a gun nut, but if someone comes in my home, I will certainly dial 911 if I have the time, but the average police response time is 10 minutes. Yeah. Maybe more here where it's a little more rural. I don't know what happens in those 10 minutes and I'm not willing to risk my home or the people who live here or my dog even mm -hmm. uh, because he's awesome and most people's dogs are awesome. But it's, it's, I don't, I'm not a crazy person because I have those items stored safely. Yeah. And especially with what we're watching in Europe where, you know, nobody has a gun except for in Switzerland. Um, this might be what, what makes our country stable during all this turbulence. The other argument that I keep hearing too, and again, I fully acknowledge this is part of, we talk about the evolution of our political opinions all the time. I fully acknowledge my evolution on these issues. I don't know that I was ever like rah, rah, ban all the guns, but I, I historically I was like, yeah, yeah, common sense regulation, you know, but I just didn't really realize how difficult common sense regulation actually is and how the people advocating common sense regulation don't really have common sense on the issue of firearms. Right. And there's no strategy to do anything like retroactively and a, everybody already has a gun too. Yeah. And that, that is the, the world that we live in. There are <laughs> so many that exist that, you know, maybe the ideal world is nobody has one, maybe, but well, that's, that's not, not going to happen. Live in. And what about 3d printers? Yeah. Yeah. Just print your own plastic gun or however that works. Yeah. I mean, um, the, it's the out of their hands. I, the argument I wanted to hit on that I've heard from a lot of people is, well, have you ever needed your gun? 
And truth be told, no, I have not. I don't, I don't hunt and I do enjoy target shooting from time to time, but I don't very much, not because it's not fun, but because the ammunition is expensive mm -hmm. and I, you know, I just rather not spend the money on the ammunition, but you ever needed a lock on your door? Yeah, really. You ever needed a seatbelt? You ever needed a fire extinguisher? No. I mean, I've never, I've never had someone break into my home. I've never been in a car crash where a seatbelt, um, significant enough for a seatbelt to matter. And I've never had a fire in a building that I've been in. So I, I've never needed those things. Just taking precautions, keeping yourself safe. Yeah. And I, I fully grant the likelihood of someone coming into my home with a, with malicious intent is very, <coughs> very small. I'm sure less than 1%. Yeah, but, but we're seeing what about that percentage? civil yeah. unrest also. Like, like it's the anticipation of things that are going to go wrong and things are increasingly more tense. It's a good time to own a firearm, I think. Yeah, well, and the, <laughs> the part of the Boston Globe article too is... Um, retirees are making a bajillion dollars off gun stocks. And I, some of the <laughs> stuff that a friend sent me to was like a guy went into a gun shop, you know, one of these kind of like white knight SJW posts where they post on Facebook <laughs> a, an account of a dialogue, but they never record the dialogue. They type it up later as though they can remember word for word. This guy said this, then this guy said this. So we went into the gun shop and asked, why would anyone ever need an AR? And the gun shop owner didn't have any answer, which is bullshit. Any gun shop owner will clearly have an answer for that. But the guy walked out. And then in the, the end of this post, one of the epiphanies was like, I found out the real reason why these guns are for sale in those stores to make money. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Yeah. I, genius. I found the real Brilliant reason insight. for Toys R Us. Yeah. Or yeah. the gas station or the grocery store. I, so we I get, Katie correct the story. <laughs> oh, God. You know, I fully understand that um, we might have some disputes on what the law should or should not allow, of course. But to a business owner operating in full compliance with the law, I'm supposed to go in there and shame him? Yeah. Why? Why? Because he's, he, I, again, the rollerblading analogy. I don't like rollerblades. <laughs> They're stupid. Dad hates rollerblades. They suck. But I'm not going to go to play it against sports and be like, <laughs> who would ever rollerblade? Yeah, yeah. Shame on you. Now, of course, that's not fully honest because rollerblades don't kill people. Actually, maybe they do. Take a look at rollerblading fatalities. It might be more than I know. But I grant that a, a firearm is more lethal than a rollerblading, of course. But the issue is they're selling a product that's in full compliance with the law. To go in and shame them for something like that, I'm not going to do that. Even if you're anti-gun, I think that's silly to do. I yeah, wouldn't do that. Signaling. It's like yeah. those people with the cake, the Christian people in the cake. Yeah, well, that's <clears throat> the worst thing ever. Not baking a cake for, like, oh my God. for a couple is the worst thing ever. You know, yeah. they went to like four other bakeries first before they went to that one. They were just seeking out somebody. To refuse? To, yeah. Hmm. I'm sick of this looking for an issue. Like, oh, we can't find racism or sexism anywhere, so let's you know, invent it. Let's create it. The other issue I wanted to highlight on the quote unquote assault weapons ban, because that's, I was trying to take notes on the solutions, just like their concept of what an assault weapon is. It's kind of nebulous. It's not well-defined. Their solutions aren't really well-defined either mm. um, because the definition of an assault weapon in their mind isn't really well-defined. Uh, so I've came across a few that I wanted to get at. And the first is renewing the assault weapons ban that was active from 94 to 2004. And it banned the sort of things that I was talking about. You had uh, kind of cosmetic items that make it look military-ish, but it doesn't really affect the lethality or the, the lethalness or whatever the word is of the weapon. Uh, other than arguably the magazine size, um, which it restricted to 10 rounds. Interestingly, Columbine uh, took place, the Columbine shooting took place during this assault weapons ban, right? What weapon did they use? High point 995. I'm not familiar with it, but that's what the firearm was. It's manufactured with a legally compliant 10 round. <coughs> oh, would you and look at that? Eric Harris had 96. He fired 96 rounds before he killed himself. He was carrying 13 mags. Um, now there was also the Virginia check shooter. Now this happened after the, the assault rifle or the assault weapons ban expired. This was in 2007. He killed, I should say, how many people did they kill at Columbine? I don't know. Virginia Tech, uh, that uh, Cho guy, Swing Hui Cho, uh, he was carrying two pistols. He had a Glock 19 and a, a Walther P22. Mm. 
Wow, he, he only was, had pistols. I didn't know that. And he killed 33 people. Jesus he was carrying Christ. 19, 10, and 15 round magazines. Now, I do grant that there might, of course, like, um, for someone like me, you know, I'm not super fast with reloading because I'm not super proficient with the weapon, but I'm probably more proficient than your average, I don't know, someone off the street, I guess. But if you're an expert in these things, as I assume a lot of these killers might train with their weapons beforehand, maybe not. But if you're, if you're good with the weapon, a reload is, is super quick. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, when the DOJ looked into this issue, their finding was it is not clear how often the outcomes of gun attacks depend on the ability of offenders to fire more than 10 shots, the current magazine capacity limit without reloading. If you're a klutz with a weapon, like it absolutely matters. Yeah. But if you're reasonably good with it, the magazine limit makes sense in theory, I think. But as a practical matter, it doesn't seem to have played out. Agreed. That's the only one of the regulations where, you know, part of me is like, eh, yeah, I guess. I, I can kind of see it. Um, and maybe, like, maybe someone in the chat can tell me, you know, is there, uh, is there any, other than we know that it might not be effective in terms of deterring mass shootings, is there any other downside to regulating magazine size? Other than, like, yeah, obviously we don't. I don't know. We don't want undue regulations on on law-abiding citizens, but that's the Perfect. only one where I'm like, okay, I see where you're coming from. The rest of the crap is like, oh no, the stock folds. Oh no, it has a grip on it. Oh no, it has this. It has that. It's 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 fancy bells and whistles on something that still shoots the same the same round at the same rate. Yeah, I mean, the real way to prevent uh, gun crimes is to vet people properly. Yes. Like Which, Orlando could have been totally prevented if uh, people would have just taken this one gun shop owner seriously who yeah. I correctly identified the risk. Yeah. And, and then and that's part of the, some of the other solutions that they get at um, is expanded background checks. Now, my former un, less informed self, who I would, would say was more on the pro-regulation side, I was under the assumption that there is no federal background check requirement, which there is, there is. Um, so background checks exist. It's very, you go to any gun shop, you're going to get a background check to buy a firearm. That's Mm -hmm. just the way it works. There's the gun show loophole that they don't like, which, you know, some, a lot of States regulate, it it has to do with private sale. So if a private person sells a firearm, um, you know, and your business is not firearms, like if I sold you a gun here in Montana, there's no background check that has to happen on that. I mean, just complete the sale. Um, and some states regulate that and some don't. And some gun shows themselves regulate that and some don't. So their argument is background check on all gun sales. Eh, eh, fine, maybe. I, I don't know how you do that between private parties, I guess. Um, That'd be if, impossible to regulate. The other thing they say is there should, in the, um, I think in the, the PTSD article, he said there should be expanded background checks extending into your family, friends, and associates. Well, that's, that's an insane. interesting. that's an interesting question, though, because it's like to what extent... I mean, we, we know that Omar Mateen's relationship with Syrian terrorist guy matters. And um, in terms of, we look back at that and we think that should have been a red flag. But then the question becomes, to what extent are you willing to penalize people for who they've talked to in the past or who they're associated with? And how do you make that objective? Yeah. And maybe if I trusted the government, but I totally don't. And they would just use this as a way to not issue like Christian people or, you know, far right wing people guns. They're like, oh, we don't give a shit about the Muslims, but none of these Christian people can have guns. I, I don't know. I just don't trust them to implement that properly. It, it makes me uncomfortable that you would be vetted, um, again, on a constitutional right, based not on your behavior. And I guess your association right. is your behavior. So I want to be careful on how um, I, I need that better defined because I want it to penalize people who have engaged in conduct themselves not penalize people for like talking to a guy who's a bad guy. But the counter is I see stuff like Omar. I'm like, he talked to a Syrian suicide bomber. No gun. Sorry. No gun. Yeah. So that one's a tough one. I'm uncomfortable with it. Um, The other thing they keep throwing around is the terrorist watch list and the no fly list, which are two separate things. I'm not exactly sure what the difference is and how that's ironed out. But the bottom line is it's someone in the federal government putting you on a list based on some stuff you've done kind of arbitrarily. It's a total denial of due process. So are we, yeah. are we gonna, are we comfortable with denying people constitutional, constitutional rights without due process? Mm, 
know. But maybe we should like not sell guns to anybody that comes from a Muslim majority country. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's the trouble is a lot of the answers are wildly politically incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And then, but then the question too, like in your answer there, what about Omar? Like maybe you don't sell to his parents because they're Afghan immigrants or do you sell to Omar because he's an American born citizen, regardless of whose parents is, where do you draw that line? Uh, I didn't say you could actually implement it. I mean, that would never fly. <laughs> well, that, but... that's, yeah, that's the trouble with so much of this is like, if you can give me a clear policy <coughs> that keeps guns out of the hands of people without uh, putting an undue burden on constitutional rights for citizens, I, you'll have my support. But th that's why I'm so skeptical of these people that are like, it's just common sense. Well, no, 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 no. It's actually quite complex. This is one of the most complex issues. Yeah. yeah. I like the idea of mental health checks. That was another one that they mentioned is you should have to see a uh, physician or a psychiatrist. Every person that's buying a gun? That, that's what the article implied, yeah. That's the, uh, that would just gum up the works. A, a clear bill of mental health? I don't know. I mean, maybe that's one. I don't know. I don't know. The counter argument to that, uh, I heard uh, Crowder's show when he was talking about it was like, there are consequences to making delay in the amount of time people can buy a firearm. And again, this is anecdotal, so don't, you know, it's not necessarily representative. But he mentioned a case where there was a lady who was being pursued by an ex-lover or, you know, someone who was trying to do harm to her. And she tried to buy a gun in a state that has a mandatory <coughs> waiting period. And it's something like three days. And the guy got to her before the waiting period was over. And some, I, I don't know what happened to Oof. her, but something bad happened to her. That's kind of a boogeyman. I don't know how representative that is, but there are consequences to delaying someone from acquiring uh, a self-defense weapon when they are clean and their intent is self-defense. Yeah, that's true. Ugh, there's going to be collateral damage pretty much no matter what you implement. The complexity of the issue. I mean, this is one that I really wrestle with. The, the weapons are deadly, there's no doubt, but... Again, that's why I say the people who want to repeal the Second Amendment are the most honest. Do I agree with them? No. But they're yeah. the most honest on the position. I think there's a that people misrepresent what the gun-owning population is like. Like when I think about all of my friends and my boyfriend, everybody owns a gun and they every single one of them is a responsible gun user and gun owner. I saw an interesting meme which, you know, so often it's it's unfortunate to reduce complex political <coughs> issues to meme representation because it's often inaccurate or grossly simplified but it was a meme that had a picture of an ar-15 and it said something to the effect of there are 3.3 million of us who own this rifle something like that if we were a, a problem you would know which uh you know it, it's hard to argue it yeah millions of people in ownership of this rifle for perfectly legitimate hunting and sporting and target shooting and home defense and whatever purposes sitting in a sitting in a corner or a gun locker for a worst case scenario never even fired who knows but there are millions of them and 300 rifle murders those are the facts uh -huh. and we're going through this big and and <laughs> i mean i'm glad that you are have mentioned consistently throughout this to try to steer the ship back on topic because how did all this spawn act of terrorism act of terrorism i i could see a future where where more than 300 american lives are claimed in an act of terrorism in the name of islam that then, is our future yeah i mean we got to be real about the problem here yeah, and it's not guns. They're going to keep getting ever inventive. They're going to put something in the water supply or something like that. I mean, it's, it's not guns. Americans need to be able to protect themselves and their families. And we have that constitutional right. I don't know what the fucking problem is with everybody. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, I think... Do you think if, Hillary would actually try to take people's guns? I, I, I want to say no. <laughs> I mean, I just... I almost think there'd be like mutiny at that point. Do you think federal agents would go For along sure. with it? I, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, who are they going to send out to, to do that? Not me. I'm quitting my job that day. No, thank you. I mean, no, thank you. I'm not going out to that ranch and trying to take all their shotguns and all their rifles. No, yeah. thank you. Like the army. Those are all red blooded American conservatives. They're going to be like, uh, fuck you, Hillary. They probably wouldn't even do it. I don't know. I mean, I, I do. We were talking about it last show. I do think that's a bit of a tinfoil hat scenario at this point, but there's no question yeah. that, um, yeah. that what she says is in my opinion, um, 
wrong, but I think it's in large part based on a misrepresentation of the facts. And that's the question, like, is it, um, the, my question for a lot of these people that are pushing like the Boston Globe, the make it stop people, the Hillary's, um, a lot of these politicians, uh, who was the guy who filibustered in the Senate, um, the Senator from Connecticut, I forget his name, <coughs> all these people that are along with it. Are you purposefully misrepresenting what you're trying to regulate or are you not informed on the issue? It's one of two. And I, I would hope that they're not so malicious that they are actually trying to deceive the public by these are weapons of war. Well, no, they're not. I mean, technically, I guess all weapons are weapons of war, really. But if we're talking about a, a military issue rifle, it's going to have a burst fire mode. It's going to have a fully automatic mode. These look like them. It's it's like saying that, you know, someone's car is a race car. If it if it looks like it, if it looks like it belongs in one. Well, we got to look under the hood to, to assess that. Yeah. So I can't decide. Is it are they just misinformed or are they actually malicious? And which is worse? I mean, obviously, malicious politicians trying to deceive people is bad, but so is people who just like, yes, my job is making law for this country, and I am also completely uninformed on what I'm regulating. I think Ugh. you know in your heart of hearts that it's malice. I really hope not. I really it hope is, not. Yeah, I do. It is. Come to our side uh, all the way. Look, I mean, it, we're almost there. I, I mean, I've been clear that I consider Hillary an unsupportable candidate for X, Y, and Z. So, I mean, you've already got me there. You did say that she and Trump are effectively the same person, though. They're the same on a lot of issues. However, that was pre-Orlando. And I've been saying on Twitter to some people, um, this was, and I said to you, I believe, too, this was a, an incredibly unfortunate incident. And it's awful and tragic. And I wish it never happened. However... The responses to this made the choice very clear to me. And again, like it's not like Trump's some hero. Trump is far from tasteful a lot of the time. Yeah. But I don't care um, as much about the taste of presentation as are you right in correctly diagnosing the problem? That's all I care about. We can't solve anything unless we correctly identify the problem, which is Islam. And if we're not gonna we're not gonna address this um, ideology, then you know the the gun issue, anything we do, is, it's not gonna matter. It's irrelevant. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, am I, I don't think Trump's response of like, Hey, <laughs> thanks for the congratulations. Really? I, that did kind of suck to be honest. I'm not. I'm oh, not, I thought that was hilarious. I'm not proud of him on that one, but he got so much shit though. He, he has a right to be like, uh, come on. He, I don't know. And he can't help he, it. He's got, you know, he's got an ego. He likes to boast. We know that about him. Trump and I will never be, we'll never see eye to eye on presentation issues. I don't think. But again, yeah. like to me, that's secondary on, do you understand correctly? I can I deal if, you're, if, if your favorite color is different than mine. Yeah. But if you're, if you're wrong on objective matters, on like uh, correctly judging a situation on objective criteria, that's a bigger issue. That's a bigger issue. And he's right on all the important stuff. And Hillary's wrong on all the important stuff. So they're in the difference lies. I don't know. Things could change. I mean, I, I, was, I saw... Now all the like dump Trump people are back out because of um, a few factors like his response to Orlando. People are pissed about is his uh, comments about the judge overseeing the Trump University case. Now, Which is totally legitimate. By the now way. there's like these um, all these people on the back on the dump Trump bandwagon. And now there's even a big push from one of the delegates in Colorado who has pledged support to Ted Cruz is making this big push to basically see what they can do at the convention to to get another candidate in. You know, I mean, honestly, think about that. Think about the chaos that's going to ensue if you and I are there and they're having, I don't know the procedures of all these things. I don't know how it's decided, but if there's some kind of contested convention where it's, tr some people want Trump and some people want someone else, we're going to have that conflict. We're going to have the protesters against Trump. It is going to be like uh, a multi-sided <laughs> war. That is going to be awesome. We're going to die, Skag. It's going to be a political <laughs> world war within the U.S. I don't know, whatever. That's Maybe that's not a good... Somebody on Twitter did uh, ask us to talk about this. Um, potential outcomes for the election, what would happen if Trump, you know, if Trump were nominated or elected, what ha would happen if Hillary were elected? <coughs> I think that would be interesting. Um, neither's going to be good. I, I, I foresee violence if Trump is elected. Whereas if Hillary's yeah. elected, I just foresee a lot of, um, I don't know, angry talk around the dinner table. Yeah, I, I mean... I think that'll be a nail in our coffin. I don't think we could recover economically from another Democratic presidency, especially not to. Under the Obama administration, our national debt doubled. I mean, we can't do this again. This is unsustainable. 
We can't. Hillary cannot well, win. I, I always wonder. Uh, here's the, the inner cock is going to be is going to come out. Are you ready? I always wonder about the the debt statistics because my understanding is that the deficit itself has decreased under Obama. Right? We've at least reduced that. Not the debt because we're still in the hole year by year. We're spending more than we're taking in, but the gap between what we're spending and what we're taking in has declined. That's my understanding. But the they always question, cherry pick statistics. But the other question I have is, and there's no question the debt has increased. That is true because, as I said, we're still spending more than we're taking in. Is it when we say it's he's doubled it or like it's the most ever? I don't dispute that, and I have no reason to dispute that. But do we compare uh, adjusted figures? And I honestly don't know. I'm not asking rhetorically. But are we comparing like a, mm-hmm. a 2016 dollar to like a? Eighteen fifty dollar or something like that. I'd imagine they correct for inflation. I mean, okay, because that would but be. But I guess factor. I guess I don't know. I mean, that would be really dumb if they didn't. I and I don't know either. So I know. But I'm, they've been know. suppressing inflation with quantitative easing. Hmm. So so what they're doing is manipulating the markets. Um, we should have tremendous inflation because of our our debt issue, but we don't. The average person is not really feeling this, but if we continue to do this, we can't just keep raising the debt ceiling. At some point, people internationally are going to lose faith in the dollar, and then we're going to be fucked. What um, you probably it seems like you're more well versed on these issues than I am. Um, what do you consider, in your shoot from the hip estimate, to be the greatest threat to our the greatest existential threat, our um, tax and spend approach, or uh, Islamism or Islamic terrorism, however you want to. Um, I think Islam, Islam's my number one issue followed closely by, by economic issues, primarily entitlements. I think that we could really get things going in the economy if we just cut out basically every welfare system. Well, that's, (laughs) Ooh, that's a bold statement. I mean, that's, but, but again, going back to honesty on the issues, talk about the honesty of the people who want to do away with the second amendment. Look, that's what's frustrating too. Is is it's when people talk about tax and spend as you were, and then they're like, "Well, we gotta like cut out this tiny little program." I mean, you want to talk about reducing the federal budget? We're talking military, we're talking Medicare, we're talking Medicaid, and we're talking Social Security. Yeah. You start and, chopping and at Trump those. And Trump has taken Social Security off the table, which I, you know, vehemently disagree with. Um, but he's not going to touch that. So you, so you disagree with him? You want it chopped, or would you want it? Yeah. Like, means tested or just get away do away with it do away with it i mean people will freak out but i mean what about the old ladies yeah fuck boomers and all these previous generations <laughs> gave us this country i don't care oh man and i have to pay into this this you know, i'm never going to see this money but i still have to pay into it so why do i right. care yeah i mean the question and i don't know the data on the solvency of it but of course the premise is that you pay into it and it is uh, a guarantee for your future future security hence the name social security so, um, I mean, I hear a lot of people talking about it. Again, I don't know enough on the issues to comment, but uh, will it be around when, um, you know, you and I have done our last RNC in 40 years and <laughs> we're about to collect on our Social Security and retire in our wilderness homes, uh, refuge from all, the, all the, uh, the cucks and terrorists of the world out in the woods where no one can get us with all of our awesome guns. Yeah. Uh, when the, when those days are here, will we get a check in the mail or whatever the equivalent is of the modern or the future era? I don't know. For sure, we won't. Not going to happen. We're never going to see it. I don't know. I mean, quite honestly, I think if we if you and I live to man, uh, I'm going to stop myself because I swear to God, I'm becoming an Alex Jones tinfoil <laughs> person every day. But I'm about to say like, hey, if we make it to those rocking chairs and we haven't been like blown <laughs> up or sent to war. Or, you know, in some kind of like crazy depression or in some kind of apocalyptic scenario, that's a win. If I don't get the check in the mail, I'll figure it out. I'll go hunting. I'll feed myself. I'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's just hubris to think that we are not susceptible to any kind of economic collapse, which I talk to people about all the time and everybody's like, oh, put your fucking tinfoil hat on. I'm like, what makes you think that nothing could ever happen to our dollar? You know, people were starving in the streets 80 years ago. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's uh, absolutely, I believe it's rational to prepare for a worst case scenario, as long as you're not compromising your present welfare to do it. Right. Like you shouldn't necessarily go um, put all the money you have in some crazy investment for a doomsday scenario that doesn't really work or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know, but like investing in gold right now, gold prices are up. 
Yeah, I mean, um, it, it, to circle back to the gun issue, is it irrational to prepare for the 0.1% scenario that's possible, which is a, a terrible scenario you'd never want to see? As long as it's not putting, you know, as long as it's not harming yourself or putting other people in danger, absolutely. Don't you feel like things are kind of closing in on us? Like, as far as global unrest is concerned and all these economic issues, like, I just don't think that we can sustain this. I think that something's going to give catastrophically. Um, I, I will put on my optimism, put my optimism hat back on because I do think that our problems are solvable. And I, I, here's my running for office political ad, but I am a great believer in the, the, the resolve of the American people or whatever. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm a great believer in the American ethic. I, I do believe if we are honest about problems, we have demonstrated a historical capacity to solve them. I do believe that. And that is, I mean, going back to Trump and all this stuff, man, uh, this election cycle has made it so clear to me, just honesty about the problem, regardless of your solution, is huge points in my book. We can debate the, the remedy. If you can diagnose the problem, I'm with you. I mean, that's because the we, issue in this yeah. election. Yeah, yeah. And instead of talking about terrorism, you know, we're talking about guns uh, you know we're talking about tools instead of motive that's not cool and instead of talking about you know i heard someone break down hillary's speech the other day too and you know uh, or no it was adam carolla on dave rubin's show i always talk about dave rubin dave rubin's my guy it was adam carolla on dave rubin's show and he said you know i was listening to this hillary speech and it was all about you know i've got your back which is kind of hillary's slogan which is basically i mean he characterized it as saying um look you got problems once i'm elected don't worry about it because I'm just going to take care of it for you, uh, for you. And his critique of what she was saying was it lacked any appeal to the American work ethic. It, it wasn't like, I'm going to create the circumstances that allow you to do the best for yourself and, and fix your problems yourself with your own work ethic. Right. And, and of course, I don't. some people have problems that are beyond their control unjustifiably, and I want them to have every opportunity they can to get themselves out. So that's one side of the, the, the spectrum. The other side is like, I don't want to just like do the, the Lloyd Christmas either. Lloyd Christmas and Dumb and Dumb are like, here you go. Here you go. Here you go with the money. You know, I mean, we've talked a lot about the lack of personal responsibility in the social justice crowd. And I think that really plays into it. And we, I don't want to foster this mentality of like, hey, you got problems, but we're here to solve all of them. Just you sit back and relax. That's was our pretty, government. Yeah. And I thought it was a pretty on point critique. Yeah. So Dave Rubin. I mean, if you, if your government can well, help Adam you Kroll. sustain your life um, and you don't have to do anything for yourself, like there are people that are on food stamps and every necessity that they have, basic necessity is taken care of by the government. Which, like used, which used to be a boogeyman that I didn't believe in. A lot of the reason that, you know, I, I, you can call me a recovering liberal. You can call me, you know, maybe it's just the pro product of aging, that sort of thing. But the, one of the foundational premises for my political belief was there isn't really a such thing as a person who wants to be a leech. Like I really believed that everyone wants to work hard and do well for themselves if, if they are given opportunity or if there's ample opportunity for them to do that. And unfortunately, that boogeyman has been revealed to me as I've gotten older. There, there are people like that. That boogeyman of oh, the yeah. right of like, yeah, I just, I want the here you go society. <laughs> um, they, they do exist. I'm not going to say that it's the majority of people, but there is, a, there is a group that is that way. And it's uncomfortable to realize. And again, 22-year-old me is disappointed, but they are out there. I think it's the majority of people that chronically receive any kind of entitlements. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think I mean, this is a small portion of people that are on welfare. I don't, I have no idea. I have no idea on the numbers, to be honest, but I don't know, man, somehow, uh, we covered a whole hour. Oh, wow. We did. Did we you look at that? We, we were nervous before the show. We're like, oh, we're diseased and, um, <laughs> kind of underprepared. And I was having technical problems and we were thinking, how are we going to do this? How are we going to crank it out? And it has a bit of good news week. Not yeah. Super it's just, cool. it's all this gun stuff. So we talk yep. guns. Lots of guns. Anyway. That was a good hour. I'm comfortable uh, closing it out if you are. Ditto. Okay, cool. Well, uh, let me pull up the stuff I need to close the show and make it all fancy. We got that fancy <laughs> outro music and stuff. Here we go. 
Um, but we did have a good live showing, uh, which I did not predict. Thank you guys, uh, the viewers and the chatters live. If you're listening on demand on YouTube or on an audio platform, we thank you for supporting the show. Remember to email us at beautyandthebeta.gmail.com with questions, requests, or suggestions. But please, no weird stuff, as we saw this week. And please remember, we're going to Cleveland. We're going to bring you some awesome stuff. Support us on Patreon and help us out. Make the Republican National Convention awesome if you can. It's patreon.com slash beautyandthebeta. We will be back next Sunday. If it's Sunday, sorry, Chuck Todd. It is not Meet the Press. It is Beauty and the Beta. We'll see you then. Thanks, guys. <laughs>